Hello everybody, uh, it's a pleasure to be here this afternoon and, and hear what's going on about uh, reuse and recycling in halls of residence and I'm sure the first workshop has really whetted your appetite. I've been working in the reuse sector for 18 years and my specialist subject really is furniture reuse and um, what I, I really uh, want to talk about is, is what's been happening in the reuse sector. When someone mentions reuse to you, you probably think of charity shops as the first uh, option, but in fact there's a whole infrastructure of reuse charities across the country. 400 reuse organisations are in our network, spreading from Inverness to Brighton, uh, and uh, amongst us we collect 2.5 million items of furniture and electrical appliances per year. These have been set up not for environmental purposes, and I know that's uh, your key concern, and we, we have done some kind of carbon impacts on that, and I, I've, I've got a table in here that we've uh, agreed with DEFRA that shows that uh, for every tonne of furniture that's reused, we're saving 2.7 tonnes of carbon. So any organisation that wants to work that out uh, is very welcome to these figures, of, uh, and there's a whole range of other materials in there. But the... The main essence of a, uh, of a furniture reuse project is normally its social benefits. The, uh, the way we've managed to do that is that, that uh, 76,000 families were helped with some of their essential basic needs in the home last year. That can be a wardrobe, a three-piece suite, or chairs and tables to sit on. So it's vitally important, the social impact as well as the environmental one. And if we look at the... Um, uh, measures at the moment for, for child poverty, they seem to be at a standstill. Government hasn't managed to do much about that and when you combine that with the recession, I think you'll agree that it makes reuse all the more important at this present time. Major funding bodies are saying that because of the recession they expect to make a 40 to 50 percent reduction in the pot that they're making available to charities next year, which inevitably will affect low-income families. But on the other hand, I, we've done a, a quick survey in London of our 40 reuse projects and they're telling us that the number of referrals they're getting from social services and from the housing sector are up and in some cases by 40%. So we know that the need is really there. And if you consider that at the moment the manufacturing industry is probably shrinking, it means the availability of new goods may be uh, lessened considerably and therefore reuse will also play a part in the future. So we think that uh, recycling, that there may be some uh, market failures because uh, we hear from time to time in the media that uh, materials like glass and paper are uh, stacking up because uh, the, the price of those materials has gone down. That is not the case for reuse. We're seeing that more and more people are coming forward saying we need some quality items to use in the home. London's Community Recycling Network, where I work, we conducted a major survey around London just to see if we could find out the capacity of reuse in London. And the findings of that survey, uh, we were able to identify which boroughs reuse was happening in and, and where it wasn't. And we made 12 recommendations. And I'm not going to bore you with all of those, but there's one outstanding one that 
I personally have a mission to accomplish, and that is that we want to change the way local authorities regard their bulky waste collection. In essence, I want to do away with the word waste and call it a, a bulky reuse collection. And even if the target starts off at something ridiculously small, like three or five percent, I think it's worth doing now that we do away with the, the word waste and we introduce the word reuse into every collection so that we start to change the, the minds and the behaviour of the public about what it is that they're doing with any material that they no longer want. But there are barriers. This comes on really to the, the, the situation you're in where you have your uh, peaks and troughs of materials for reuse and our sector really want to work with you and, and try and overcome some of those barriers which might be for instance operating at scale making sure that we have enough resources of our own to to collect the items that you uh, have to dispose of for reuse finding solutions to the varying materials that you have and one for instance might be bedding which seems to be a problem finding a new home for well, we're looking into that at LCRN and, and we're having to apply all sorts of lateral thinking to see if we can come up with a solution to that particular material stream for you. And of course it's about increasing demand for reuse. The more materials that get put forward for reuse, and that's the easy bit, means on the other side of the equation we have to find an end user, an end beneficiary. And we've got to market this by, in terms of quality. We want to get rid of the concept of Steptoe's Yard and busted old tellies to show people that when we are talking about reuse, it's an item that is still in perfectly good working condition. The only reason someone's getting rid of it is because they're moving on and they don't need it anymore. We really hope that uh, this uh, this venture that you've started and the, the tremendous work that's been done is going to lead you on and, and I'm reminded really of the, the effort that's gone into this so far at London School of Economics is like uh, Roger Bannister who broke the four minute mile and that was something that took years and years to achieve no one could do it for absolutely ages and then when it happened for the first time through Roger Bannister lots of other athletes began to, to break the four-minute barrier. And I think that some barriers have been broken in the last few years here, and I hope that many, many more of you will go on to achieve the same level of success as London School of Economics. Thank you.